Hey, this is Montoya McGowan with Bougie Black Therapist Podcast. I am your host and also the owner of Stopping the Chase Counseling and Consulting. With this podcast, we give um, people who have the credentials, clinicians who have the credentials to be a therapist or a private practice owner, and entrepreneurs, we give you permission to be you permission to be authentic, and permission to um, build a business that works best for you so that you can enjoy being an entrepreneur. Today, we have a special, super de-duper special guest as we talk about one of my favorite topics, and this is Chelsea McGowan. Hello. Chelsea is my first born and she's also my favorite daughter <laughs> uh, i mean hey it's not too many that could hold that spot <laughs> <laughs> and um i appreciate chelsea because she is in her early 20s and um, she trusts me with important conversations and i've always wanted to be the kind of parent where my kids are comfortable with talking to me about things that are important to them. And I know they're not going to talk to me about everything, but at least she trusts me enough to see what my views and my ideas are before she decides what decision she's going to make. She allows me to be a coach and a consultant for her as a mom, as a woman, um, and just as a person, period. And I'm extremely grateful. Me as well. Me as well. <laughs> So one of the things that I talk about often with Stopping the Chase, one of the reasons why I named my business Stopping the Chase is because we chase people, places, and things that we think will make us happy. And after years of adulting, I realized that the things that we need are actually already inside of us. We just need help cultivating them. And so happiness is an inside job. So stopping the chase of chasing things that you think will make you happy and learning to cultivate happiness from the inside out. And I would like to think that all of the things that I have learned and experienced as a person, as a human, as a woman, as a therapist, um, as somebody going through the pandemic with everybody else, that I have helped to create a cheat sheet for you. So you don't wait until you're in your late 30s, early 40s to be like, ah, oh, light bulb moment. Yeah. It's an inside job. <laughs> so bougie boundaries. What do you think I mean when I say bougie boundaries? Um, Being selective with my boundaries. Being bougie, being okay with saying no, um, and being confident in them and making them look good too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Having bougie boundaries is not easy. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say bougie boundaries is because for some reason or another, some of us end up being people pleasers. I think some people like to call them impasse. Um, but yeah. I, I say more than likely people pleasers. But what people pleasers are, are actually um, codependent people. And I, I thought about myself as a people pleaser as well or an empath. And so I saw a video a couple of days ago that say? said that empaths aren't actually very good. 
that's why they're good at spotting out the bad things because they gravitate towards everything that's wrong mm. and try to fix them mm. and they can identify them more instead of just being in the moment. I can see that. So empaths are people who are very attuned to other people mm. and attuned to other things. And so are people who struggle with codependency. And we are attuned because we become really good at crisis management mm -hmm. or so we think. And so we see crisis uh, as a way for us to make ourselves feel safe and comfortable and also to help rescue other people. We're the helpers. We're the rescuers. We're the nurturers. We're the ones who um, we're the coordinators. We're yeah. solution focused. Um, we are in our masculine energy at all times until we learn not to. So codependent people are those who um, make sure that everybody else is warm while they are being set on fire. You're the fire keeping everybody else warm. Yeah, and then sure. when your light goes out, which is what people call burnout, then the people who were keeping warm with your fire, they just move on to somebody else. And then it's like, well, almost get upset with the world and get angry with the world around you and then you shut off all the people that are supposed to be there because you're too busy making up for the things or making up for the burdens that you shouldn't be carrying anyways. Right, yeah. right. So that's where bougie boundaries came from. Learning how to have boundaries and managing your energy to where it's a luxury to have access to you. It's a luxury for you to be um, in a place where you want to rescue somebody or where you want to help them, but not to the point of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> do you know what having not having boundaries look like? Not having boundaries? Uh, I can tell you what it feels like. I don't okay. know what it Let's looks like. Let's go with feelings. Um, it feels frustrating. It feels very lonely not having boundaries. Angry for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And then you make it everyone else's problem when it started with you mm. at first. Yeah. So until you're, but it's hard to identify those boundaries or those red flags mm -hmm. until it's too far gone. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the people that I see in my business in private practice are the strong friends. They are people who struggle with codependency. They are people pleasers. And what I've learned as a recovering codependent, I'm still in recovery, is that we're very controlling. And I have that problem as well. I remember one time you, um, I can't remember if you told me or if I heard through the grapevine that I was controlling. Uh, might have been a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. I'm extremely helpful. I'm a kind person. I'm a good mom. Then I started to realize, wait. I can be controlling, but the reason why I justified being controlling is I wanted to manipulate the outcome for a best case scenario. Mm -hmm. What I learned was that's not helpful to you. It's not helpful to your brother. It's not helpful to me. It's not helpful to other people that are connected to me. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's not helpful is because 
sometimes I would jump in to be what I call Jesus Jr. And nobody asked me. Yep. And then you tend to be like me and then get upset when people don't need you. And then it's like, well, I already thought about it before it happened. So it's I like, what am I supposed you. to do with my hands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... What I what I do now, and I hope that I'm getting better at this, is asking, what do you need from me? What's my role in this conversation? Are you? Am I just supposed to be listening? Am I giving you advice? Am I supposed to be helping? And then sometimes if I know that I don't want to have a role, then I just listen. Because you won't have your own life experiences and what I like to call character building exercises mm -hmm. if I jump in to rescue every time. And that's not fair to you. That's not fair to people that I love and care about, even though the reason why I feel like I am trying to help is because I want you to feel as less pain as possible. But that's also me trying to be Jesus Jr. too, and that's no fun. Yeah. That's not fun. So um, some of the there's there's three kind of boundaries that a lot of us have. And when I think boundaries, I think expectations. I've heard people say, I don't have expectations, so I won't be disappointed. Mm -hmm. I used to subscribe to that school of thought. Yeah. Because being that. disappointed sucks. If I go ahead and coddle my feelings before it happens, if it doesn't go the way that I expected, I'll be okay. And if it does, we're ecstatic. Right. <laughs> it's a great day. Right. But not having expectations means that you're already preparing yourself for disappointment. Mm -hmm. And is that really fair for you? It's not because if you don't have expectations of people or expectations of situations, then how will people know how to be in relationship with you? How will they have a baseline or a foundation of, I know I can't say this to Chelsea because she may do X, Y, and Z. But if you're just cool with everything, then people can just run amok in your life. And then you're upset with everybody as to why are they doing me like this? Why do you I have to know. jump through these hoops? Mm -hmm. Why am I trying twice as hard to explain something that should have been explained? And not only that, but we also feel like people should know. Right. Like they should know. They should be able to pick up on it. They should feel, no, these people aren't mind readers and that's not how it works. And, and I'm trying to be mindful of that now because mm -hmm. I do that with people. Mm. And then it's like, well... Un avoiding uncomfortable conversation. I feel like that's where it stems from. You're right. You're absolutely right. Avoiding conflict and different things like that. And it's like, mm, no, because it's a part of life. <laughs> it is. And how will people know how to do life with them if you don't help them? Mm -hmm. And some people also feel like if I tell you one time, you should know. I need you to remind me a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. I need you to tell me a few times because I'm really not that consumed with you. Mm -hmm. I'm consumed with my own stuff. So there's three kinds of boundaries. One is porous boundaries, which means zero boundaries mm -hmm. um, or expectations of people that people are aware of. You don't have any or the lines are very blurred. Um, then there's rigid boundaries where people have those boundaries that's like an electric fence. I don't do nothing for nobody, and I protect my energy at all times, and 
you know, like, okay, sure. Yes. <laughs> Very yeah, like <laughs> I block everybody. Don't nobody need to call me for nothing. Okay, thanks. Well, you might as well just be by yourself. Then. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then there's healthy boundaries, and healthy boundaries is where you learn how to express how you feel. You learn how to say to people how situations are affecting you, and you have the courage to practice conflict resolution. And sometimes conflict resolution is resolving the relationship. But letting people know, hey, you know, this situation doesn't work for me. And so, yeah, I'm just going to opt out of this friendship. Not good. Uh, Yeah, yeah, not not good. You know, sometimes I... I could be one of those people that'll just leave it where it is because I don't really know what to say and I don't know how to go about it. So it's a lot easier for me to just let go of it. Just leave it where it's at. If it ain't on no bad note. See, I used to I used to feel that way and I still struggle with it, which is why I stay in therapy also. Cause it's like I don't I don't have to do this. I don't have to explain. I don't have to keep going back and forth, go in depth, this, that, and the third. I just don't feel like it. This is unnecessary. Okay, it might be unnecessary to you in the moment, right? But it's it's what is, what is the word I'm looking for? It's necessary. Yeah, it's necessary. And if a relationship is important to you, it's necessary for you to voice your opinions and concerns and let people know how their actions made you feel. Otherwise, they'll keep doing it, and they won't know that you have an issue with it. Mm-hmm. So um, I was talking to my therapist one time about a situation that I had, and I had decided after I talked to my therapist that I was just going to leave the situation where it was. I wasn't going to say anything, and I wasn't going to disrupt the relationship. And I said, so I'm just going to go with the flow and just leave it where it is. And he said, oh, you're going to suffer in silence by yourself, huh? Not only are you suffering suffering in silence by yourself, you're also leaving the other person. You're, you're leaving, leaving them with the opportunity to write their own narrative of how they think it went mm-hmm. or what you were thinking. So it's almost like out of both having y'all's own stories with no clear indication of what really happened. That makes sense. Where it really went. I agree. I agree. But what I found is even with like a squeaky voice and a heart that's beating really fast and maybe even like a little sweat under my arms because I don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. What if they don't want to be my friend anymore or relationship wise? What if they break up with you or if it's my mom? What if she doesn't help me with whatever she has said she was going to help me with? If I speak up and I say something, then can I handle the worst case scenario? And usually the answer is yes, you can handle worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, worst case scenario hardly ever happens. So we've had this panic attack. We've been up for seven nights, worried about how things are going to turn out because we do that future projections that we have no control over Mm -hmm. versus just trusting the process, but also having the conversation so that you can have clarity and insight about what to do next. 
But then you got to feel like rip. You got to figure out how do I feel right now. Yeah. Not only not only do you have to figure out how you feel. Not only do you have to figure out how you feel. It's almost like instead of avoiding it and going ahead and dealing with it, what's supposed to happen is gonna happen anyway. True. <laughs> Very true. Sometimes Chelsea be my therapist. <laughs> Chelsea, what you think about this? <laughs> because it helps to have somebody else on the outside of you who is not as invested in the situation to help you process it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when my therapist said, oh, you're just going to suffer in silence. And he said, um, how often do you do that? A lot. All the time. First of all, none of your business. <laughs> Every situation, sir. <laughs> <laughs> just cut people off <laughs> hey. and then I'm like wait we're not friends anymore I haven't been friends with you for seven years because wow. I cut you off seven years ago and then I can't remember why I did it like I don't know why did we break up but having the courage and having an accountability person and a therapist to challenge me to have those difficult conversations has really freed up a lot of mental space Letting it be. Just just saying, you know, um, I was just wondering, I'm feeling X, Y, and Z about this situation, and can you help me understand your side or your view? Um, and sometimes it's just a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's just it wasn't what you thought it was, and you have gone, allowed your anxiety to create this whole story, and really it was just this little thing right here. Yeah. I see your face. <laughs> Red that's, Cup Fridays. That's that's me. That, oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, what are we cheers into? Uh, we're cheers into Red Cup Fridays. Okay, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're um, what do we have in our can cup? We- we have, oh, we're getting um, ready to say the same thing. I was getting ready to say, can we tell them what we got in our cup? <laughs> what are we drinking? Oh, disbelief. Disbelief. Disbelief tequila with the peppermint. Her idea. The peppermint was my idea. Yeah. Real bougie boundaries. Uh-huh. At the solo cup. So right. what's up? <laughs> <laughs> on Fridays. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all better be glad there ain't no double cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and for the record, Chelsea is over 21. Don't tell them how old I am. I won't tell them how old you are. But you're old enough. Just know that. Okay. <laughs> uh. Um. Do you have any questions about boundaries? Mm. Expectations. What Realistically, what age were you comfortable enough to express your bougie boundaries or start practicing your bougie boundaries really in the past five six years i've gotten better at it and the reason is because if i don't get those conversations out they show up as anxiety in my body they show up as anxiety as acne um, back pain constipation um night sweats 
they show up and, and you don't even realize that it's your thoughts that are making you sick. Mm-hmm. And so if your thoughts can make you sick, your thoughts can make you well. And those thoughts, our thoughts are energy and they need a place to go. So having the conversation is really, it has to happen. It has to. And you can have conversations with people that aren't even here anymore. Mm -hmm. You can have a conversation with them in therapy. Um, You can have a conversation with them out loud. You can have a conversation with them in your journal. I give exercises to people often to have conversations with people. In my journal, I didn't talk to all of y'all. (laughs) <laughs> if you've made me mad, my journal is like, girl, come on, tell mm. me about them. I've yeah. cussed you out of my journal. Yeah, in my journal, I talk I talk as though I'm writing the story to where it's going to be published to the public one day. Really? Yes. So you don't say everything that you really want to say in it? No, I say everything that I want to say. I actually even came to the realization what used to stop me from journaling for one, okay, these are, I know that they're very terrible reasons, but. Okay, go ahead. One of them is, I didn't think that I could write fast enough for my brain. <laughs> That's a common thing. Two, I was afraid of misspelling a lot of words. That's a common thing, too. So I said, you know what? They're going to get the sloppy handwriting. They're going to get the neat handwriting and all of the different words all of the messed up words y'all are gonna take them and y'all gonna get giggles when this is published one day mm, <laughs> i like that help somebody and make them comfortable enough to be okay with it right when i journal i write as if nobody's gonna ever see it Mm-mm. that gives me the ability to be able to say everything I, I write letters to God. I write letters to people. I write letters to myself. I write letters to different versions of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to get it out. And if it means that it's going to take me five pages to get it out, then I got to get it out. Because the sleep that I have after that is magical. Because mm-hmm. I don't have like a TV in the back of my brain that's up loud with white noise. Yeah. Yeah, that helps too. I used to just journal when I was mad, and I thought that something was wrong with that, but then I was like, this is my mad journal. Yep. <laughs> or this my dude journal, or this mm, my work journal. Right. Or that's how I end up with a whole bunch of journals, and then it might have, like, different stuff sporadically written in them. I know one of my journals has stuff it might skip from 2013 to th- 2015 mm-hmm. to 2017. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now we're in 2020. You might have a, a whole bunch of pages from 2020. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> right, right. I give myself permission to give myself whatever I need. And so that's helping you have healthy boundaries because our hearts do not have eyes and our hearts can't tell time. So if you're writing in your journal to something or someone, your heart does not know that you're not actually talking to that person. All your heart knows is the paperweight has lifted. Um, so the other thing about boundaries, we don't like boundaries because of how they make us feel about the other person, or we're worried about how, what we feel will make the other person feel. So I was talking to somebody one day and they were saying that they were letting this person be all up in their life because they didn't want to hurt their feelings. 
they were like, but I don't really want to do this with them. I don't want to go there with them, but they're a nice person and they really like me and I don't want to hurt their feelings. And so I said, oh, so you're going to suffer in silence, huh? Mm -hmm. Alone. And you're going to give out energy to somebody that you don't want to give energy to. Not even that. It's, it's also what about their feelings? We assume, what did you say to me this morning? Was it this morning or earlier today? Where you said you feel like you can handle it. The, the negative feelings. Yes, yes, yes. This, uh, this morning. I said that I, I tend to blame myself instead of putting the blame on other people or just holding in that conflict because it's a lot easier for me to blame myself and get over it than mm -hmm. to have to, uh, for one, identify what it is I'm feeling or what's wrong and then confront the other person and then have to live with the what ifs in my head that come along with that. So instead, how about we just act as if they didn't do anything? Like sometimes when people apologize, my first thing is, well, there's no reason to apologize. It's okay. Are you telling them that for real or are you just telling yourself that? And half of the time, I'm just telling myself that. And it's not okay. Exactly. I had a friend who um, told me a few years ago, he said, I need you to stop saying you're okay or it's okay. But when I was saying it's okay, what I meant was forget it. Mm -hmm. And he said, if it's not okay, have the courage to say, I'm not cool with that. Yeah. Because once again, you're setting an expectation for people. But if you say it's okay, then there is no expectation. Yep. And I've been practicing that over the past couple of weeks. And the other day, I told someone, I sent them a lengthy paragraph and I told them, I'm not okay with this. Along with, I'm not okay with this. And I just listed out all of the things that I wasn't okay with. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel better. I was like, yeah. Because yeah. I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I'm not okay with it. And I'm not afraid to say that I'm not okay either. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it'll be okay after I say that I'm not okay. And you could either be okay with it. And leave do something about or it. Or do something about it. Anything. Or this is where we end. Yeah. Since then, I, I haven't heard from them since. So I don't know how that went, but. You're not okay with whatever it was. And mm -hmm. now they know if you choose to come back into my life or have access to my sunlight, then these are the things that you're going to have to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. And, and it took a lot of courage for me to say that, too, and yeah. be okay with saying yeah. that. Yeah. Are you proud of yourself? I am. I really am proud of myself. And it didn't come from a place of anger, either. It didn't come from a place of anger or sadness. I was at a real, you know, a, a peace of mind when I said it, and I was just able to express it freely mm -hmm. and then be okay with the outcome. Yeah. Why did you decide to be okay with the outcome? Because I didn't want to let it stop my day. I, was, I wasn't okay with letting it. Um, there are a lot of different things out here to be worried about, and that's not one of them. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to trust the universe and trust God for however things work out for you mm -hmm. without you trying to manipulate the outcome mm -hmm. by controlling the situation or controlling that person. Yeah. That's healthy. I'm so proud of you. Listen, it all started when I was watching this monk's video, y'all. And he told me that if I don't make my bed every morning, 
then my life don't look right anyways. See, I hate that I watched that video. I said, I hate that I watched okay, that video. Okay, sir. Ever since then, I've, I'm one of those people that kind of do a whole bunch of things at one time or try to put my hands into stuff at one time instead of taking this, marking it off my list. So I've been giving myself a mental checklist mm -hmm. in order to be healthier in life in general. Mm -hmm. So it all started with me making my bed, even if I didn't feel like it. Like he said, even if you're one of those people that get out the bed one day, and then after you get out the bed, you come back to making your bed. No, that's not how you're supposed to solve your problems. You're supposed to hit them head on. So making your bed is how you should solve problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So take that time when you first get up, take that time out of your day to sit there and be mindful, be grateful for the day, see where you are in life, what, how your day is going to go, observe all the things that are going on around you, and you're like, okay, now it's time to get started. You make your beds, you do all this other stuff. I've even progressed to making my breakfast every morning. And your lunch. <laughs> and my lunch. Packing my lunch. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> so, it's, yeah. So, um, boundaries. There has been said that there are six kind of boundaries. Mm -hmm. Six areas of our lives that we should set expectations or a foundation for people as far as how we should allow them to do life with us. Um, physical boundaries. Some people aren't huggers. Some people aren't touchers. <laughs> Some of us are not. <laughs> well, we have to um, we have to break the uncomfortableness in order to be comfortable. And if it's important to you uh, with certain relationships. Mm -hmm. With fostering certain relationships. Mm -hmm. I wasn't comfortable with physical touch for a while because I thought that I was respecting other people's space. I did too. Or like in public, I feel like it's a time and a place for everything mm -hmm. if it's necessary. It used to make me tense my body up mm -hmm. even if somebody touched me. I'm like, oh. Yeah, Hold on, you surprised me a little bit. <laughs> but, but what I learned also is a lot of adults go several days without physical touch, mm -hmm. without being touched. And touch helps us thrive. We, we need, children need a certain number of touches every day to help them thrive. Mm -hmm. And, but there should be some expectations and some boundaries as far as how people get to touch you. Another one is uh, sexual boundaries. That's a hard one for some people, especially people who are in relationships and for people who are codependent because if somebody takes you out on a date or somebody does something nice for you, somebody that you're in a relationship, sometimes you almost feel obligated to participate in intimacy with them. But having boundaries might mean that the relationship might not last. Having mm -hmm. boundaries might mean... Uh, okay, so maybe they won't really like me if I say I'm not ready to kiss you yet. Yep. Um, We're worried about rejecting other people, mm -hmm. even if it makes us feel uncomfortable. Once again, that's suffering silence. Yeah. Um, but the, it shouldn't be like that because if we're now almost like the, the soul ties thing that you had posted a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. it's that's energy that you're giving people. You have to be selective with your energy because 
y'all are tying those energies together. Like, right. it's not just you at that point. So whatever they're feeling, whatever they're going through, you start to get mixed up in your own head, and those aren't even things that you should be dealing with anyways because those aren't even your problems. Right. Um, not only that, but when you practice those different boundaries as it pertains to sexual boundaries, boundaries your head's almost, it's a lot more clearer and right. you're more purposeful when you do find that person where you want to exceed those boundaries with. Um, not only that, but it, it's more meaningful. Right. It's way more meaningful. And um, you get to uh, filter out who's for you, what's for you, and what's not. And that's what we really need to be paying attention to. True. But that's where the loneliness and the codependency and the exception come, uh, acceptance come in to play as well. You're so smart. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Another boundary, intellectual boundaries. Oh, wow. Uh, intellectual boundaries, some examples of them are yelling during disagreements, uh, ridiculing somebody for their thoughts and their views, which we see that on social media often where people don't have intellectual boundaries and they try to tell somebody else how to think or what they should or shouldn't say based on their own views or their own perspectives. Um, demeaning a child or demeaning a parent in front of somebody that they care about. Um, telling children about problems that they're not able to emotionally handle. I, I didn't think about that. I do not like when somebody says that their child is their best friend. Because okay. if okay. I'm an adult, mm -hmm. now as adults it's different, mm -hmm. but if I'm an adult and this eight-year-old is my best friend, I can only do so much. Now the eight-year-old is growing up too fast because they're already listening or acclimating their mind. They can't so. handle your adult problems. Yeah. They can't handle your adult emotions. And sometimes that breeds codependent people because this child is having to deal with or learning how to manage certain stuff. And so they know that this makes my mom feel this way. They know that this makes my dad act this way. So let me be good so I won't do X, Y, and Z, or I won't make my parent feel this way. Where your feelings are your responsibility, not the nine-year-old. It's not fair. That should not be your best friend. Should not. You need an adult best friend. Somebody that can handle your feelings and emotions like an adult. So, but as adults, your child can, your, your child can definitely be your best friend or close friend but as a as an adolescent, as a kid, no, no, I understand that. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, emotional boundaries and some examples of emotional boundaries are uh, sharing too much too soon with people. Um, and that's that's something that I'm struggling with right now. Um, sharing too much too soon. Nowadays, some people feel as though. Um, if you're not sharing, cause I'm one of those people, I don't want to share too much too soon because I feel like for one, it's not your business. And two, I don't want you to already write your narrative about me with the stuff that I tell you. And you really don't even know me yet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But some people nowadays feel as though, well, if you can't do that for me, you're not authentically being yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's where the line gets blurred and it's like, okay, well, what's right and what's wrong? And then you have that mental fight with yourself. Like, okay, is it me that's doing something wrong or Mm -hmm. is it them that's just misunderstanding? Or where do we come to a middle area, a middle ground? Right. And I think trust is the important part of that. I like to say with people that I'm still getting to know them, I have intercom conversations. Mm -hmm. I have conversations where if it's if it's being recorded over the school intercom, can I be okay with that? Mm -hmm. And or if I send a text message, am I okay with that conversation being screenshotted and shared with other people or being shared on social media? And nine times out of 10, I'm okay with it because I'm pretty calculated about some of the things that I share with people. But if I trust them, then I feel way more comfortable to be vulnerable and to be more transparent with them because I trust them with my feelings and emotions. But I've got to get to the point to where I feel like I can trust you and I respect how you do life. But if I'm not sure yet, then you get surface level conversation. When people say I'm an open book, I just be like, oh, you you in the public library? Um, definitely an onion, but okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, you put everything on social media. No, I yeah, don't. <laughs> I do not put everything. I had not somebody tell me that one time. They were like, oh, my God, you share everything. Do I? That means that you don't really know me. But okay. But you also get that around. I've heard people that actually know you know you. They say the exact same thing. And it also makes me think like, man. They don't really know me. Yeah. You know me, but you don't really know me. Mm-hmm. You don't. If you think that this is all the business I have and that I share this. But some people say that because of how, how what I share makes them feel how what I share makes them feel about themselves or I'm sharing something that they would never tell anybody. That's not my problem. Mm -hmm. But people don't understand that because not everybody is taking the time out to heal themselves or heal from their childhood trauma. Thank you. It's hard work. (laughs) It's a lot of hard work. And so maybe you should talk to your therapist. (laughs) That's what I do. Yeah. Um, And so minimizing people's feelings, telling them you don't feel that way or stop crying. Just stop it. Stop crying. Telling somebody to stop crying. That's an example of an emotional boundary. Let people cry. It's the energy release. That's how you recharge your batteries as well. Right. And we don't like how when somebody else is crying makes us feel. I had a friend. I had a panic attack one time. And um, I could not stop crying. And this friend said that they were not comfortable with me crying. And so they weren't able to continue a friendship with me because they weren't sure if I was going to have another panic attack and cry and they don't know what to do about it. I'm grateful for that honesty Mm -hmm. because now I know that you don't have the capacity to be one of my village people. Yeah. So back to surface level, you go. Not even that, but you don't even have to, you don't even have to end the friendship because it's not like you have to coddle me. If anything, you can just sit there while I get done doing what I'm doing because 
Half of the time, if I'm having a panic attack, I really don't even know where it's coming from anyways. I know now, because I haven't had one since I quit that job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, where my camera... Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> <laughs> the great resignation. <laughs> yeah. Um, my panic attacks were coming from, from my... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cognitive dissonance. And that's where how I feel versus what I have control over or what I think um, is right versus what I'm able to do or what I'm comfortable with doing and having a job where my values were not in line with the the job. Mm-hmm. I really had to force myself to make a choice and the panic attacks were indicators that your time is up. Yeah. And that's, I, I had a job that treated me the same way. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was really bad, and it was I, I knew it was a problem when my regular phone was ringing, and I my heart started beating fast, and I started sweating profusely. Yeah, <laughs> like I want to turn the club up, but I know that's not the right thing to do. Yeah, and um, so my patience started to wear thin, and I'm trying to like continue to push forward, and the universe is like, why are you doing that? Yeah. We fight a lot of things, and I feel like a, a lot of times in my life, I, I've recognized that as well, and I'm um, recently being grateful or being appreciative because I'm just now realizing it was a lot of different stuff in, in my life personally that I fought against or tried to make up from. When my journey hit, my story for that portion, that portion of my story had ended way before it was mm-hmm. supposed to end anyways. And that's why things steady go downhill. Problems continue to occur because we're constantly fighting from the inevitable because we think it's right because of that control mindset when right. we don't have control to begin with. Right. Yeah. And paying attention to the things that you do have control over and focusing on those. I um, reminded, well, I introduced the serenity prayer to a client yesterday and this client had never heard of it before, but that's because they're in their early 20s. I've never heard of that before. When? Cash, has you heard of the serenity prayer before? Oh, my God. What rock have you guys been under? Yeah, I've never heard of that. I was going to say me either. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the serenity. Well, you can look up the serenity prayer. Um, Some other emotional boundaries is... Um, well, e- issues with emotional boundaries is allowing people to dump on you when you don't have the capacity. So saying, hey, you know, this seems like a lot. I, the way I ended up in therapy, I had a friend who said, um, she said, hey, um, the issues that you have right now, they're a lot for me. And I can't keep talking about this with you. So I'm going to need you to go to therapy And then after therapy, we can talk about it. She said, but I actually don't want to have this conversation with you anymore until after you've gone to therapy. This is before you? Before I became a therapist. And it was right after I had got back from Iraq. And I would be like, ma'am, my head is really all over the place right now. But <laughs> she, I valued her friendship, and I love her, and I'm grateful that she had the courage to do that because she was saying, hey, I don't have the capacity for your stuff. 
So I'm going to need you to go get some real help, and then we can meet for drinks afterwards. And I'm glad that she did that because I called her one time and she was like, so what happened in therapy? I haven't gone yet. She was like, okay, well, call me back. My feelings was hurt, but I went to therapy, though. And I'm glad that she did because 11, 12, 13 years later, here I am. And I'm I'm grateful for her having the courage to say, look, I don't have the capacity for your stuff. And it gave me the courage to be able to tell other people, ooh, you should go to therapy. This too much for me. Because yeah. unless you're my client, after work, I got to check in with my own life. And I want to be friends, but I can't handle certain people's stuff depending on what's going on in my life at the time. And I used to allow the codependent me feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Not even that, but with friends... It's almost like when you start bearing their burdens or some of their problems, you tend to fight harder for them mm. than they fight for themselves. So it's like, why am I holding myself accountable to hold you accountable and I'm the only person that's working here? You're a smart girl. <laughs> You're smart. And and that's true. I Even in therapy, the therapist should not be exhausted after the therapy session. Mm-hmm. If the therapist is exhausted or tired after the therapy session, then you've done too much. You've said too much. And so it should be a even, you know, a even um, a conduit type situation, not me having um, more investment in your issues and resolving them than you do. All you therapists, I hope y'all heard that one. Right. Don't let it go over your head. <laughs> <laughs> I I had um I had a client who told me that um somebody in her life, well, she had an illness. And with this illness, it was uh aggravated by high levels of stress. Mm-hmm. High levels of stress causes us to have an overflow of cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Mm-hmm. Cortisol causes us to have inflammation in our bodies. Inflammation in our bodies attacks other stuff and shows up as different illnesses like lupus or fibromyalgia. So whenever she would have high levels of stress, it would show up in her body and she would get sick. And we realized that majority of the problems that this person had, they weren't even hers. They didn't even belong to her. Mm -hmm. So you're sick Physically, where it's affecting your entire life over three other people connected to you issues versus you giving these people their stuff back. And then when you get sick, everybody's looking at you like, how are you going to fix it? Not what do you need? What can I help you with? Any of that. You're still by yourself while they're still burdening you with their problems. And nobody's going to give you permission to not be a helper Mm -hmm. because it's not convenient for them. Having the courage to say, ooh, I hope you get that worked out soon. Mm-hmm. Be like, mm, I'll say a prayer for you and release. Or, if they even say it. Right, <laughs> right. Or you can be Jesus Jr. and just hang yourself up there on the cross for other people's issues. Yeah. We already had somebody do that. Why would we do that again? Yep. Um, so there's emotional boundaries. There's material boundaries. Material boundaries. Yeah, you know, like taking people's stuff. 
out of their room or out of their closet without uh. asking for permission. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we just call it sharing. <laughs> Hand me up, so hand me downs, you know. <laughs> Once we can't find no boundaries, you could just be like, huh, just buy double. <laughs> when I learned her. that, it just, it helped me so much. Okay, so I got this brush. Where's my favorite brush? Oh, it's gone. Okay, no problem. I got another brush in the closet. So now you have my brush, which actually isn't my brush because it's yours. I bought it for you. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> two jean jackets. Yeah, I got two of the same jean jackets. One for you and one for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Material boundaries. Um, That's just a part of parenting. But as an adult, it's different. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, I let you borrow my car, but I'm catching an Uber to work because I know that you got way much further to go. Yeah, you need some boundaries. Or I'm borrowing your car and I need something or I have something to do that pertains to me getting to where I need to go. And you like, well, how you going to figure that out? With my car? We got to fight for this stuff now? I mean, I thought it was mine to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that's how a lot of people go about life. Mm-hmm. And they are okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, time boundaries, uh, mm-hmm. calling or sending people text messages when they're asleep or when they're at work. Um, or just not paying attention to what other people have going on in their lives. Yeah. I know because of the great resignation, it was because people had a lot of time boundaries that were violated. Mm-hmm. I can't work seven days a week. I can't stay two hours after this. As a young mom, I struggled with that because of the job that I had where I might have to stay over an hour or so later unexpectedly. And then I got to pay a dollar a minute for a daycare. Mm-hmm. But that means that the daycare worker, she the daycare worker had to take you home. I think had to take Stephen home one time with them. And I get them from your house because of the time boundaries that they were violating at work in my job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, did we cover all of them? Well, I stopped people from my time boundaries because I started doing this new thing where I was waking up early in the morning or like I had to my schedule changed from one in the afternoon to one to eight thirty in the morning, and then it, I really had buckled down on it uh, when I had got upset one night that I stayed over my time trying to be social and accommodate other people in their schedule, even though that they didn't care about mine mm-hmm. and I was losing sleep and I was frustrated over something that I could have controlled. So I started doing this thing where your phone got this sleep mode. Mm. And so if I have to be up at 8.30, my phone goes on sleep mode at 9.30 because my bedtime is supposed to be 10.30, but I say 11 o'clock. You're adulting. Yeah. So, you know, if you call me in between then, if you text me and I don't respond fast enough, hey, you cannot be upset because you knew what I had going on. And it's like that every day, even on weekends. Even though the time is pushed back, Mm -hmm. I'm not available in those hours unless I decide to be available. Unless I decide to be available. And just because I'm free 
does not mean I'm available. Yep. It's my time. I get to decide what it looks like. And it's uncomfortable setting boundaries with people because people have temper tantrums. Um, They'll call you or text you over and over and over again and try to force you to answer. Um, They test your limits. They try to rationalize why you should know why it's not comfortable for you to do that. Or my favorite is they'll punish you with the silent treatment. And that's okay. Because I'm not losing sleep at the end of the day. I used to. <laughs> I used to. I used to be like, oh, my God, they're not going to be my friend anymore. I haven't heard from them. I really love them. That's my friend. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, silent treatment. You know, I reach out. Hey, we good? Yeah, we good. Okay. All right. You said we're good, so I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... A couple of ways, a couple of things that you can do to start to set boundaries with people is, one, identify how this boundary violation is making you feel, Mm -hmm. attach a real feeling to it, and then decide if you're okay with it. Yeah. So if this makes you feel rejected or makes you feel neglected, are you okay with it? And if you're not, what do you do next? Also, having expectations and setting boundaries and sticking to them yourself. Mm-hmm. I struggle with this as a mom because I say I want X, Y, and Z done, but perfect example. Your dad and I were talking about this the other day um, about whipping. Mm-hmm. Most parents do not like to whip their kids. Most no, it wasn't your dad. It was it was my brother. He was saying that he was trying to give his son space to do better, so he does not have to whoop him. He could just be like, "I forgot," mm-hmm. <laughs> or um, "I got tired." He said it takes a lot out of me to give a spanking. I don't want to. Most of us do not want to. Or to uphold a punishment. Like, I got to remember what I said. I have to remember on what day I said it. I hate what was the time enforcing when. punishments. <laughs> now I got to, since you don't have the time to fill it up how you want to, now you want my time because <laughs> you don't have nothing else. <laughs> like when somebody has their video game taken. Oh, my God. When, when you would get in trouble when you were younger and we had to take your phone <laughs> It was like torture because you would talk to us for hours and hours. And I'm like, I, I'm not on punishment. <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, who else I'm going to talk to? I'm not on punishment. So what I did was I gave my brothers, I gave you my brother's numbers and I let you talk to them on my phone because you were calling family. And then they gave me like a little respite. Yep, because I was hearing to be to say, I wasn't like Steve, you know, I ain't had nothing. <sighs> I ain't had no game, no phone, no nothing. It was, we just got to take the phone. So, hey, I mean, it is what it is. I, ain't I got to no talk to y'all. No. <laughs> no. Let's go to the movies. I thought I was on punishment. If you ain't got no phone. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> take up an hour, hour and a half. Maybe you'll want to go to sleep. We do not want to punish you, but we have to enforce those boundaries and we have to enforce consequences to help you modify your behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with adulting. 
you have to enforce boundaries and consequences with other people who violate your boundaries so that you can modify their behavior or so that you can know, okay, this person has no respect for my boundaries. And so they don't need to have access to my life because it makes me anxious or it's too much of a distraction for me. How do you become, now, I've been okay with telling people what my boundaries or what I want my boundaries to look like. It might be after the time that I should have initially, but how do you go about, after you give a person chance after chance, how do you go about releasing them once you tell them, okay? You have to... you have to decide on what your policies and procedures are for people doing life with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then honor the commitment that you made to yourself by trusting that if this person can't do what I've asked them to do and I've given them the opportunity to, then their presence in my life is not worth the stress that it's causing. Okay. And so you just say, hey, this is this is the end of the road for us. Even if you missed him. How, how do you, you go can, about that? You can miss people. You can miss them. It does not mean that y'all didn't have good times together. And you're missing their presence. You're missing the things that they added to you. But is it really worth the other stuff? Because one question I learned to ask myself, if this person never changes, can I be okay with them in my life? We, we have relationships with people based on their possibilities. But when you focus on the moment and being mindful and, and allow yourself to consider that this may be as much as they're able to do, mm-hmm. can you be okay with that? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then you're just like, hey, it was nice. Um, I'm going to miss you. We had some great memories. Uh, when the memories come across, like, oh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And moving on. Moving on is hard to do, but staying sure. sometimes is even more difficult. And then another thing I told you is pay attention to how you feel around certain people, how you feel about yourself. And if this person doesn't make you feel good about yourself or confident or empowered, then this may not be one of your people. That's hard to do, too. Or if they don't make you feel like your highest potential or what you. This is me. And and you have to ask them that, too. If I never make any changes, can you be in relationship with me? Can you be okay if this is me for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. And if they say no, then that's another answer. We try to force puzzle pieces that just they just don't work. And and when you allow people to stay in your life that is not a good fit for you, then you're blocking blessings that God actually has for you. You're blocking the path for people who can replace them and make you feel better about yourself while you're with them. Friendships, jobs, everything, church, Mm -hmm. family members. I don't like how I feel about myself when I'm around this person. So this doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um. You know, and and continue to be self-aware. Continue to pay attention to you 
continue to where you're you're always evolving and always growing the more you know yourself the better you can help people be in relationship with you if i'm different today than i am tomorrow then i'm different today than i am tomorrow So, uh, that's better different. Uh huh. Yeah. Gooder. The goodest. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, I did have fun. And once you get to the bottom, and it was your, and good, your, wasn't it? Your mint kind of dissolved a little bit. It tasted delicious. Yeah. Um, I also had to dial back with doing podcasts because my business is growing. I'm seeing more people. I'm doing more stuff. And I needed to work on my back office with the customer experience, with people making appointments, with people being able to make payments, and also focusing on marketing so that people can know that I'm here. And I was starting to get uh, frazzled with trying to focus mentally on too many things at one time. But I also read something the other day that said most podcasts do not make it past episode seven. Yeah. So that's what I've been noticing. Yeah. Um, they don't make it past those or they might take a long pause or a long break and then come back with their final episode to explain this is why I've been gone. Oh. So, like, I mean, I know one of them, he, his was, like, soulful thought. It was, He had a great podcast. And then one day he just stopped. Mm-hmm. And then his part two was his finale. Or this other podcast that I've been listening to is 498 episodes. Mm-hmm. But it's been there since, like, 2013. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a lot of them. And half of the time, most of them are just talking every week or just their guests talking more than they have to talk or you know yeah it's uh it's a specific targeted episode when they have episodes not Mm -hmm. just the podcast itself Mm -hmm. with the planning is important um i also learned that one thing that can help you plan is when you have sponsors because uh the sponsors want access to your audience and the sponsors are sponsoring you, so it helps you with accountability. And we have some sponsors today. Bougie Black Therapist Podcast. Um, we are being sponsored by ISF Productions. Woo-woo. We are being sponsored by Fathead TV. Very new. Y'all go get on it. Check it out. Yes. It's very hilarious. Yes. It's going to get big eventually. So, get on it early. I like it so much. (laughs) (laughs) And it has cussing in it. I like cussing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cussing makes me happy. As long as it's not too much cussing. (laughs) Um, And also, Stay Cheesy P. Stay Cheesy Photography and Production. Yes. By Chelsea McGowan. Yes, yes, yes. That is my brand. One of your newest ventures. And so she's learning the dynamics of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Go follow me on Instagram, uh, staycheesy.p. Yeah. I will be posting more. The journey has just started. Yes. And we appreciate her investment in Bougie Black Therapist Podcast. 
Thank you for stopping by to spend time with us. I am your host, Montoya McGowan, and this is our special guest, Chelsea McGowan. You can find us on uh, Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, uh, stoppingthechase.com on Facebook and Instagram, and also Bougie Black Therapist Podcast, Twitter, and don't forget YouTube, where you can subscribe. I always want to be like, make sure you click the button Like, down comment, below. and subscribe. Like, comment, and subscribe. Wherever it'll be. Yeah, it'll be right up there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pointing both directions. Right. You know? <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. All right. Well, thank y'all. We appreciate you for giving us some of your time. And hopefully we have said something that you have learned that has given you more insight and perspective and clarity. Till next time. Bye.